Welcome to season two of I Vet So Hard, the not so serious podcast for seriously busy veterinary teams. Hold on to your sanity, happiness, and success. Learn a few new tricks and embrace efficient processes that actually work in veterinary practice. In each episode, we'll kick the tires on a hot topic and break it down into five key takeaways that you can start using right away. I'm Dr. Stacy Santi. I'm Dr. Caitlin DeWild. I'm Dr. Krista Wallace. And this is I Vet So Hard. Today we're going to be real nerdy about a passion of mine, which is cat stuff. <laughs> I know you would love this one because if you guys don't know Caitlin or you never run into her at conference, she's usually wearing cat shoes paired with cat slacks and maybe a cat blouse or jacket. <laughs> I, I want to point out, like, I am, I'm wearing cool cat pants. Okay. Like I'm not one of those weirdos just like with a cat t-shirt on at a you know, I'm, I'm, I have a stylish cat shirt on. Well, I have to tell you just like yesterday I ordered off Etsy a new cat t-shirt and it says, uh, Karma is a cat, you know, from Taylor Swift. Oh, of course. Of course. And so I've got my new cat shirt coming any day in the mail. So I'm right there with you. Uh, my husband, who he can he can suggest things. He doesn't get to tell me what to do or what to wear, but he could. He has suggested that perhaps the number of cat-related apparel items I have in my possession is at its max. So he would he would suggest, but he's wrong. So, uh, all right. Well, let's talk about cats uh, because I love them. I love dogs too. I have cats and dogs, but I, I think I like tend to go for the little guy here. And I really, excuse me. I really feel like we could do better as an industry with cats. Obviously there are a bajillion cats out there. The numbers are increasing cat population increased in 2020 again. And there's a huge population of those cats that do not seek regular veterinary care. Obviously, that's a huge revenue potential for our practices as well. So there's, uh, it benefits everyone if we see more cats. Am I right? Oh, you're right. And if we're, if we're being honest, and we are, because it's I vet so hard, <laughs> the cases I remember in practice that were the most like, you know, that show they used to have on one of those, I can't remember, Dateline or something. I was like, I survived. You know, it's people like, I got shot 27 times in the stomach and I hiked three miles to the gas station. Like, I used to do a calendar every year on I survived and it was always the cats. And I, I had this cat, Kiki, one time. He was gone for like two days and he showed up at this lady's house and he had snapped both of his radius and ulnas and they had open fractures and he walked home on the mid shaft fracture. What? I know. They, and he ended up, you know, going to getting his legs fixed and amazing. I just think cats are badass. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Well, let's dive into our, our big takeaways for you guys. So I could talk about cats and marketing, as you know, for like, I don't know, seven hours, but we're not here to do that today. So short and sweet version of it is just to not leave out cats or cat people in your marketing efforts. I challenge you guys to look at your own practice website or your own clinic social media feeds. And it's going to be about a 70-30 split of dogs to cats. And that's probably a very generous uh, assessment. 
And I understand it's not as easy to take pictures of cats in the clinic, for sure. I get it. I'm with you. But there's no excuse for your website, right? 90% of those photos are stock photos anyway. They shouldn't be. But I know that's what you guys are doing. So you might as well throw some cats in there. Um, If you have a clinic cat or team member cats or a super comfortable cat in your practice, you best believe you better be getting out that phone and taking some photos of it because you got to capitalize on those opportunities. But realistically, how can we expect cat people to be like, I totally want to go there or I totally want to learn more about them if they go to our website and it's all like dog, 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 dog. Well, you know, the best way to build loyalty with a cat owner is to simply tell them, you know, your cat is gorgeous. Do you have any good pictures of them? Because I'm looking for pictures for my website. Exactly. And Uh, they'll send you pictures. And these phones are so amazing. I, I think they really, they've come so far in the detail and the high res makes it like you have your own photographer right in house. It's true. It's true. And I will say, so my practice does have a cat only exam room. We are cat friendly certified, all that, but I'm telling you getting the photos on the exam room table, no worky. Okay? Don't even try. Don't even try. But if you've got baskets or Heidi cubbies for your cats in your exam room, which you should have anyway, or preferably the elevated perches or the things on the wall for them to jump on. That's where you get your photos. And that's totally cool. And also that promotes you have those features for the cat in the exam room. So I would encourage you to try to take them maybe not on the exam room table. That usually works a little better. Feel away for the win, of course. I will also tell you that if you have team member photos with their pets, look at your, like your team bios, your team photos. One year I was the last person I was in a five doctor practice and we had, I don't know, like 20 support staff. And I was the last person to get our team, like my team photo. And I was going to bring my dog, Maple. Many of you have heard me talk about her, but uh, she's kind of hard to photograph also because she was like, an odd size. So so anyway, I was trying to figure out how to do this photo. And then I was looking at everyone else's photo because I was like, did they sit with the dog? Was the dog on the lap, the dog on a table? Like, how does this work? And I looked at the rest of our team's photos. No one brought a cat, literally no one. So we had like almost 30 people, no cats. And I was like, okay, screw this. So I was like, sorry, Maple, you've been a star enough of your life. And so I ran home at lunch and I got my cat Hurricane and brought her back for the photo was it a a amazing photo not it wasn't it wasn't her best she wasn't thrilled about it but you know what i got at least i know for sure six appointments that specifically said i booked with her because she had a cat in her photo oh my gosh that's so amazing Hey guys, it's Krista Wallace from the I Vet So Hard podcast. Did you know that I Vet So Hard is race approved? All you need to do is listen to three episodes and take a quiz at IVetSoHard.com and we will send you your CE certificate. It's that easy. The next thing is a little bit not so much marketing, but I think important. And this was a lesson I had to learn which is recognizing that cat and dog people are different. That's not gonna come out as a big surprise to anyone, but 
when I think about how I speak to these people in an exam room and also through our marketing, which is hopefully ongoing through the year, I need to remember, right, that we're sending messages and we need to do it in slightly different ways. So there are tons and tons and tons of studies. A shout out to Dr. Susan Little, the cat vet. She's a feline expert and you guys should follow her on social. And if you have an opportunity to see her lecture at any point, check it out. But doesn't she have a podcast, Kaylin? She does with Dr. Yola Kerpenstein called the Per Podcast. Good point. Good point. Yeah, check uh, that out. We will link it up in the show notes. And she, both of them are huge cat advocates, or as I like to say, cat advocates. That's right. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, <laughs> so our cat advocates at our practice know that we talk to cat owners a little bit different. We also enter the exam room a little bit different. We also come with more information uh, on different topics. So from the perspective of most cat owners are going to be a little bit more introverted and shy. Now, these are generalizations, stereotypes that are actually backed by science. There's a lot of research out there. It's not all cat owners, but it's a fair percentage are going to be a little more quiet and reserved, right? And so are the cats. So when you come into the room, if it's a golden retriever, the way you enter a room is a little bit different than the way you enter a cat only room, right? Like my technician shortly after school told me that I needed to stop entering the exam room like Kramer and <laughs> throw the door open and sliding in. So yeah. obviously adjusted that. <laughs> with cat owners, but also just the way we're speaking to them. I don't need to like throw a lot of like, hey, how you doing kind of information at them and greetings. Let's be a little more quiet, a little more reserved. It benefits the cat and the owner. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I had a technician, the ladies got on to one time because she talked really loud. And, you know, it's fine if you're in a room with three golden retrievers, but it doesn't work if you're in the room with a little 17 year old kitty and her owner. So yes, got to watch your exam room style and just bring your voice down a few decibels, talk a little slower, kind of, if you aren't sure, the, the go-to here is to mimic the pet owner's style and just reflect that back to them. If they're outgoing, you be outgoing. If they're quiet, you be kind of low-key. Absolutely. And one study that was, uh, we can link up in the show notes did find that cat owners have more of a prevention than promotion mindset. And they also like more data, like cold, hard facts. So if I'm going to work with client education with a cat owner, I want to make sure that they have access to that information. Uh, there's also a really good study that Dr. Little and Lori Kogan, who Stacy and I both worked with, did about their reliance on Facebook groups for pet health information. And it is uh, slightly higher for cat owners than dog owners, but pretty neck and neck there. But they're clearly looking for information, but cat owners in general want more cold, hard data. So if you have the opportunity to share that information with them, I think that's only going to enhance their understanding and interest in more preventative care, AKA bringing them in, doing more diagnostics more frequently for these guys. So definite win there. It's probably due to the fact somewhat that if you've got to do something for your cat, it's going to be harder. You know, if you have to give your cat medication or you have to bring your cat in for 
blood work or you have to change their food, whatever you're doing, it's going to be a little harder with the feline patient. So I suspect these cat owners are really wanting data to make sure this is worth their while and it's worth you know, this change for their cat. Absolutely. Well, speaking about sharing this data with them, now it's time to talk about communication when we're not in the exam room. So when you're sending mass emails or text messages or app push notifications, I would implore you to segment your audience. And you had a good way of dividing up clinic audiences. Yeah, we did this at vet to pet because it became pretty clear that sending a mass communication out to everybody that, you know, don't forget to get your Bordetella shot wasn't really making the cat owners feel very special. They were like, what does this even mean? So the buckets you want to look at are dog only communications. Those are pet owners that only own dogs. That's a totally different vibe then you're going to send out to pet owners that only own cats. And then you have a third bucket, which is probably your biggest bucket, people that own both dogs and cats. And so think about your imagery. If you are doing a dog and cat messaging, you want to have both of them featured. So people know it's for both species. And I think it's really important to make sure that your communication platform has the ability to sync with your practice management software and segment these audiences for you automatically. Yeah, for sure. Cause there's no reason that you couldn't send, you know, general stuff like about the practice or about your online pharmacy or about, you know, things like that appeal to both species or apply to both species. So things like microchipping or dental care, things like that. But dog only owners are going to need things about more, you know, parasite protection and our, Cat owners have documented, again, um, in some of these studies, interest in more obviously urinary (laughs) conditions and GI conditions. So keep those things in mind. Make sure that you're, you know, giving those information, sending out information about that, but do it to the audience. Because otherwise, if they're constantly getting stuff that doesn't apply to them or doesn't interest them, they're going to stop opening them and then your marketing efforts are going to tank. Along those same lines, and this is a general tip and kind of applies to many topics, but asking your pet owners in general what kind of communication they want. So are they an email person? Are they a text? Do they want a phone call? Do they want something in the mail? How does that work? Most of the practice management systems will now allow you to indicate preferences. So like if they're due for an appointment, they want to call, but if it's just, you know, pet health information, they want that via text or whatever that is. But again, think about cat owners. They may be a little more introverted. They maybe don't want to talk to anybody on the phone. They might prefer catching this information on social media instead. It, it just depends, right? So bottom line, ask them and uh, document that communication preference. Hey guys, it's Stacy from the iVet So Hard podcast. I wanted to tell you about a brand new course we just released on iVetSoHard.com. It's called the Seven Love Languages of Client Loyalty. It's a collection of seven videos that each focus on an element of the client experience. You know how to win and keep your top clients. And since client loyalty is a team sport, the way it works is you'll play a 15 minute video at your staff meeting, then use our discussion guide to have a conversation with your team about that month's topic. The course is available at ivetsohard.com and until November 1st, 2023, it's free. But after that, you can get it for just $299. 
One recent manager that took the course said there were so many ideas for her team that it felt like practice manager Christmas. So head on over to ivetsohard.com and check it out. You know, it's really funny is when we were building vet to pet out and we were, you know, you get the little tone for a notification. We had the ability to customize that tone. So we had a little dog barking if it was for dog owners. And we had a little cat meowing if it was for cat owners <laughs> and for dog and cat owners, we had this like big discussion. I remember, do we go with the dog barking or the cat meowing? Because if a cat heard the dog bark, on the person's phone, it could really scare them. So we defaulted to the cat meow because we ultimately thought dogs enjoy listening to cats meow more than cats enjoy listening to dogs bark. And just the fact that we had like several meetings over this shows you how important it is. <laughs> Such a nerd. Such a nerd. <laughs> okay, so the fourth one, you guys, is we really wanna recognize and call out that cat owners have a bias towards vet powered products and services, meaning that they prefer to buy from their vet. And the number we're seeing in some of the research is upwards around 65% of cat owners prefer to buy from their vet. This is a great news for us. Right. And we are not probably doing a good job of selling them things. Not that that's what we're here to do, but if they want to buy from us instead of, you know, a big box online pet retailer, then that's amazing. And we should not be holding back on our recommendations. I know even as a cat loving vet, I feel like I'm always recommending products for dogs. I'm recommending, you know, food every time I'm recommending home dental care. I'm recommending supplements. And I don't think I've been doing that as much from the cat owner perspective. Like, especially I feel like food is a big one, especially if we remember that cat owners have that more preventative mindset food has such an opportunity to to impact that but dental care stuff as well that's huge and we could be doing a lot more there so making sure they know about our online stores um, about the products that we recommend big big hit totally totally all right and then the fifth one you guys is let's just recognize and admit that cats are way more independent than dogs and they hide diseases a lot better so we need to be just super clear about our recommendations to cat owners to help them prevent disease. I was telling Caitlin earlier, I had my dog Roxy in yesterday to get her teeth cleaned. It's like grade one dental disease. She was under anesthesia for, I don't know, less than 30 minutes for sure. And oh my God, it's been like an all nighter with her. You'd think that this is the worst thing that's ever happened to this dog in her whole entire life, up and down, just acting very discombobulated. And then you think about the cat and how they're able to basically have half their leg missing and you wouldn't even know it for a couple of days because they're so good at hiding diseases. Yeah, they're, they're again, as we already discussed, total badasses like that, but that actually works against them. And again, a lot of those, uh, the data and the study, the data, that's not even a word, the data and the studies that we will link up uh, in the show notes, 
show a lot of interesting differences between dog and cat owners when it comes to attachment and uh, those individuals needs for an independent animal versus dogs being more submissive so there is a huge impact here on the human animal bond right like how they interact with their pets and when we add in there those cats that are totally independent and like whatever i'm totally irish stage four you didn't even know uh, that you know we need to be not seeing these pets when they're five six seven eight years old and being like okay great job your teeth aren't terrible and you're not in kidney failure yet great see you next year we need to be talking to them about a lot more specifics again giving them those data points really making our preventative care recommendations very strong and getting these cats in the door just because they look fine at home does not mean they are they need to be seen twice a year once they're senior things like that yeah and for me one of the biggest differences i feel like i made in practice was addressing the floral situation in cats and i ended up doing a bunch of investigating on this because in my area in southwest colorado I was seeing about three out of four cats have florals and they'd usually start displaying it around two years old. And there's zero tartar in a lot of these cats. And I started looking it up and there are definitely pockets in the United States that have a higher incidence of florals. And they think because maybe there's more inbreeding going on in those areas and they're passing that through the lines. But if you are in a floral area and you probably are, I think this is one of the most tragic diseases a cat can have to live with that's totally treatable. So in my practice, you were considered a floral kid until you were proven otherwise. And the only way you got off my hit list was you had a dental around the age of two. And even if there was no tartar, I would generally recommend a sedated exam so I could probe the teeth at this age and just make sure there weren't any, you know, hidden florals on the inside of that upper arcade or that lower premolar that were not visible during an exam. And once I gave you the clearance, you didn't have to do that every year, but you would be shocked at how many cats I found that had these hidden painful, painful diseases. And I know they're painful because I heard from so many cat owners that their cat felt better after the procedure and they weren't sleeping as much and they are being way more active. So it, it just, just keep that in your mind, you guys, because this is a way you can really help animals. Absolutely. Well, I think we have a lot of work to do guys. So make sure that you are recognizing the differences between cat and dog owners making sure that you're getting them different information so that it applies to cats and dogs. If you need to segment those audiences, time to do it. Make sure you're getting more photos and videos of cats doing awesome things on your website and your marketing efforts. And get started right now. Yeah, there's a reason that the number one searched up thing is cat videos. It's because they're so funny. So you've got the content, find it, leverage it, and help those cat people feel super welcome and grow your practice. It's all win-win. Thanks so much for joining us today on our episode. And for more information about this, head on over to ivetsohard.com, get our blog, and we've got more information for you there. Take care, you guys. 
Thanks for joining us for today's episode of I Bet So Hard. Don't forget to head over to IBetSoHard.com to sign up for bonus content with more tips on how to kick ass. We will see you right back here, same time, same place next week. Until then, here's to keeping your sanity at your practice.